When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Learn American English with this guy. And I hear if you are listening or watching on Spotify, you might actually be able to see me. So hello for everyone else listening. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you are ready to learn some English. But before we get to the lesson, if you could do me a huge favor, give this a like, leave a review if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any other podcasting platform. It really helps other people find the lessons and learn English. Again, thank you so much for watching or listening. Hope this helps. All right. Welcome, everyone. Hope everyone is doing well. It's a Saturday morning for me here in the United States. Hope everything is going well wherever you are. In today's English lesson, we are going to talk about terms, English phrasal verbs, and sayings native English speakers will use when talking about peace. And I am going to keep politics out of this lesson because I know my country, the United States, has not exactly been great at keeping peace in the world. So we are going to talk about terms that we might use with peace when it comes to war, but we might also talk about when just two friends are fighting. Before we get into that uh, English lesson today, I do want to welcome a new channel member, Regis. He joined. I don't think it's still up on the stream, but at some point yesterday, he decided to become a member, so I got a little something for him, and it goes a little something like this. New member. Make sure you check the members tab for the Discord, the members chat, and the bonus videos. Yeah, we got a Discord server, private Discord server. We chat there daily, and something new for gold members called Volley. We can send videos back and forth. I'd also like to say hi to a couple people. Hansa. Hansa's in the house. I saw Audie here. Welcome. Freddie. Francis in the house. Sam the Taiwanese. Welcome. Anya. Germany is represented. And there, look at that. New channel member there. Regis, I look forward to getting to know you. Look at that. Snuffy's here. Welcome, Snuffy. And of course, friend of the show, Errone, Errone, welcome. Oh, and Luke, Poland, Poland is here. So nice to see uh, some familiar faces and then uh, a couple new ones. This might be your first time, Snuffy. If it is, welcome. And if you haven't uh, liked the video, you can do that and other people will be able to find the chat. Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs up. All right, let's get into that lesson here. I got some slides for you. 
there's a slide and there's the first word and it's ceasefire ceasefire so let's break that word down i don't want to get rid of that let's break that word down two parts cease and fire cease is a very formal way to say stop so let's pretend someone is playing loud music in the next room i could say cease that noise it's a little too formal i would probably say stop that noise or stop that racket it's another way to talk about noise so cease very formal way to say stop fire is another way to say shoot when we're talking about a gun you could say she shot the gun or you could say she fired the gun so a ceasefire is literally a stop in the fighting and we do probably only use this with war we wouldn't say two friends who are fighting have had a ceasefire we'll talk about something else but the important part about ceasefire it means that peace has not been reached yet but there is a stoppage in the fighting for some reason maybe the two armies need more supplies maybe they need more gasoline maybe they need more food or maybe the two armies want to have peace talks now that's not one of my words that i'd like to teach you today but peace talks is exactly what it sounds like talking about peace and i do have a sentence for you if you would like to practice some shadowing or at least see the word in a sentence and if you're not familiar with what shadowing is it's when i say the sentence and then you say it after me or you try to say it right along with me and it's helpful if you want to pause or if you're watching on replay shout out to anyone watching on replay or the podcast welcome the two armies agreed to a ceasefire that would last for one week the two armies agreed to a ceasefire that would last for one week so hopefully a ceasefire means peace is followed right after that doesn't always happen sometimes there's more fighting but ceasefire let me check the chat make sure there are no questions about ceasefire it's a pretty straightforward word meaning it sounds exactly or it is exactly what it sounds like unfortunately those two words cease and fire aren't always used in the exact way look at that columbia's in the house roger welcome france danny how are you Weola, glad to see you in here. Hey, Ibrahim, I will mention Egypt a little bit later on in the lesson. Welcome. All right, I will check the chat. Fatima, how are you? Brazil's here. All right, if there are no questions about ceasefire, let's move on to the next one. Negotiations. 
not easy to say, negotiations, negotiations. This is when two sides get together and try to work out an agreement, work out. There is a phrasal verb, not like work out, going to the gym, work out, meaning going back and forth. I'll take this, you get that. If there is a couple who is going through a divorce, they might have negotiations. All right, I'm going to take the house, you take the car and the dog. Probably lawyers involved. But when peace is happening and the war is about to end, two sides will get together and say, for there to be peace, I need this. The other side might say, well, that's fine, but I need this. That's negotiations. Each side usually gets a little something, but they also give up a little something negotiations. Let's take a look at uh, a couple sentences with negotiations. The verb, by the way, is to negotiate. Negotiate. The negotiations to end the war lasted for days. Okay, there's one sentence for you with negotiations. The negotiations to end the war lasted for Four days. Now look at the spelling of four there. It's not like this. It's not four, F-O-U-R. It lasted for days. We don't know exactly how many days, just probably more than one, probably more than two. Four days, when I hear that in English, it makes me think maybe not quite a week, not quite seven days, because they probably would have said a week, but maybe four, five, six days. The next sentence. Negotiations usually involve both sides having to agree to give up or lose something. So give up might be a tricky English phrasal verb for you. And in this way, it means to lose something. So at the beginning of the year, I gave up sugar. I didn't really. I like sugar too much. But some people might say, hey, I'm going to give up sugar. Give up. Or cut out. Cut out. I'll talk about cut out in um, a future English lesson on the channel this week. There are a few, few things happening in the chat. So let me check it out and make sure. Okay, okay. This is a great question. Fayez always has great questions. Can we use haggle, bargain, instead of negotiate? Okay, when I hear the verb haggle, I think of things not as important. So you might go to the market and you might haggle with a vendor, somebody selling something. Maybe you want to get a shirt. They are saying, hey, you can have this shirt for five dollars they might and you might say no i would like it for four dollars and so you come to an agreement at 450 four dollars and fifty cents 
So something like that. Haggle is a little less formal. Negotiations, like I said, probably lawyers are involved. Multiple people are involved. It takes a while. Haggle, very quick, probably minutes. Same with bargain, probably. Bargain probably has a little bit of a better connotation. Haggle might have a little bit of a negative connotation. Great question. Great question. Looking through the chat just to make sure. Nah, Sam. Sam's always saying his English isn't great. Sam's English is good. I talked to him a few months ago, so I bet it's even better. All right, hopefully. Oh, look at that. Blissful mommy. Have you seen my slides? They've been spying on me. We will talk about Barry the Hatchet very soon. Very soon. Nice job. Harry, you're right on time. Well, wow, 11 minutes? This this lesson has been going on 11 minutes? Harry, you're fine. You only missed two. You only missed two of them. The next one is truce. Truce. This is a good one because it means that the fighting is over. Um, maybe not everything, maybe not all of the negotiations have happened, but if two sides have come to a truce, probably means there is a ceasefire in place. So fighting has stopped. Both sides may need to come to the table. That's another phrase we use when people are talking peace. Both sides may need to come to the table, but it's a good sign. Truce means peace is close. A truce is when neither side really wins. They just both agree to stop fighting. So negotiations may happen after. Um, they may never happen. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to get political. Um, but in history, anybody watching from Korea, hope you're all doing well. But I believe the war between the United States and Korea never officially ended. But for the last 60 years, we've had a truce. So there's been no fighting, but you know, just there wasn't a formal peace agreement. I don't think there were formal peace talks, but a truce is good. Now, you may have a truce in just regular everyday life. She and her enemy agreed to a truce. They promised they would never speak to each other again. So they didn't end on the best of terms. They're not going to be friends again. They've just agreed to disagree. They've agreed never to speak to each other again. The good news is they're not fighting though. So the truce, it's good. It's not as good as complete peace, but at least there's no fighting. You know, maybe they don't leave exactly happy, but no fighting. Hopefully that, hey, Miho is here. 
Hope all is well in Japan. Look through the chat just to make sure. Malami, how are you? Jamie Watson is in here. That's my wife. All right. Win-win. I did not talk about that in this English lesson, but we could talk about it right now. Ibrahim, good one. Win-win. It means both sides get something. It's a win-win situation. We often say it like that. Let's see here. I'll talk about uh, my wife and I are planning to go to the beach sometime soon. Okay. I don't exactly like walking on the beach when it's cold. I would rather swim. Too cold to swim now. But my wife, Jamie, likes to walk on the beach. And at the beach, they sell really good french fries. So even though I don't like going to the beach, I'm going to get some fries. My wife, she loves walking on the beach, even if she can't swim in the water. So we're both going to go to the beach and we're both going to get something we like. It's, it's a win-win. I get the french fries. She gets the nice walk on the beach. I do, I, I do like going to the beach. I was just using that as an example. Hello, how are you? I wish I could read that writing. I have been learning Russian for the last uh, two years, but I don't know much in Russian. All right. The next one. Bury the hatchet. Bury the hatchet. This means that there is peace. There is peace. Now, that picture right there, it is a hatchet. It is a hatchet. Um, we might also call it an axe. Um, an axe is a little bit bigger than a hatchet usually. And you can use it for cutting wood. Now, we don't want anyone to bury the hatchet in somebody's back. That would be violent. That wouldn't be very peaceful. When we talk about bury the hatchet, it means there is no more fighting. This is usually not as formal. We probably wouldn't use this with countries who are at war. We would probably use this with friends. Speaking of friends... Look at that. What a great message. What a great message. How can you disagree with that? Praying for world peace. My friend from the Philippines who now lives in Qatar. That's perfect. I could not have said it any better myself. Got a little something for you. Hey, thank you so much for the super chat. Angelo, thank you so much. It does mean a lot. And... Great message. Great message. So bury the hatchet. That is the hatchet. If you look at that picture on the left, it looks like a piece of wood, and it looks like the hatchet is being buried into it. When you bury something, you pretty much put it underground. You put it underground. 
a dog might bury his or her bone. But when we talk about peace here, burying the hatchet is another way to say they made up. That's an English phrasal verb there. They made up. It's better than a truce because there are no bad feelings after. So you could say to a person who you were once fighting with, oh, we buried the hatchet. We're all good now. No more fighting. A truce just means, well, we're not speaking to each other, but we're not fighting. So if you're talking about a friend and you have buried the hatchet, that's a pretty good thing right there. Pretty good thing. Anything else? Looking through the chat. Any questions? I'm sorry. Wedding video. In Ukraine, stay safe, my friends. Stay safe. Fayez. I encountered two words that is related to enemy. Those are foe and adversary. I don't know if there is any difference. No, I would say foe and adversary can be used as synonyms. I don't think one is stronger than the other. Adversary might be a little bit more formal, but they both mean someone you are fighting with. Foe, adversary. All right. Ooh, it's a good one right here. Um, When we're talking about peace, to give up and to give in. Um, They are very close to the same, but they're not the same. Um, You would have to have two people fighting. Let's see. I'm trying to think of a good situation. Give up. It doesn't have to be fighting, but since we're talking about peace, um, they're very very close um so let's i'm trying to come up with an example let's say my wife and i jamie again we're going to pick something that is not too bad let's say we are fighting about where we want to go to eat okay um i've used this before let's say i want italian and i want to get some pasta and she wants some Mexican. She wants tacos. And we're both going out to eat together. Of course, I could go alone and get my Italian and she could get her Mexican. But let's say we're both trying to go out to eat together and we both want what we want. I could just give up. All right. All right. Let's go to Mexican. You know, when you give up, it means you stop fighting, but it doesn't mean you're happy doesn't mean you're happy you could be so beaten that you just have to give up give in is a little bit better you know you're trying to make the other person happy so i might give in and get mexican with jamie and say okay fine all right all right you win let's go get mexican i can get some tacos if i give in there's a chance that i'm still happy if i give up We often throw our hands in the air, Ah, give up. This is a picture of a person giving up. Given, it's a little bit better, I guess, but all right. 
Ariana from Ukraine. I hope all is well. Yeah, Hunza. Hatchet is usually a little bit smaller than an axe, but they both have the same shape. They both have the same shape. Yes, Blissful Mommy. Surrender is another way to say give up. Right, surrender. Nicely done. Oh, I read it right though, but okay. There's the correction there. Give up. Let's get back to, do we have any more with Bear the Hatchet? I think that's it. Now the next one, you might extend an olive branch. You might extend an olive branch and that is a nice way to say you are going to stop the fight. Extend an olive branch. Now, I mentioned earlier to Ibrahim, this originally comes from Egypt, I believe. And you'll often hear this in Greek mythology. The olive branch represents peace, represents peace. So let's say Jamie and I are fighting about where we want to go out and eat. I might extend the olive branch and say, you know what? Let's just go get Mexican. Let's just go get Mexican. A lot of times, though, when you extend an olive branch, the fighting, it's its a little bit, the stakes are a little higher. It's a little bit more serious, okay? So maybe two friends are, oh, neighbors. Let's talk about neighbors. In the United States, neighbors might fight. People who live next to you. Let's say one of my neighbors was playing really loud music, okay? And I was upset with them. And this had been happening for weeks. Like, why? I'm trying to sleep. Why are you playing music so loud? We start fighting. To extend the olive branch, I might make them a cake. Say, hey, I'm, you know, I'm sorry we've been fighting so much. I won't mention the music. Here, you know, I'd like to extend the olive branch here. Take a cake. Doesn't everybody like cake? So extending an olive branch means you are trying to make peace with the other person. And you probably wouldn't actually say that to the person. Hey, here, I'm extending an olive branch. Take this cake. That's what we talk about with trying to start peace. Like it's, it's better than giving up better than giving up because you are making an effort to still have peace with that person. I have something here. Extending an olive branch is when one side does a nice act towards peace. They say to the other side, hey, let's stop fighting. So you might have an enemy, but at least you want to be nice and come to some kind of an agreement. Maybe you have a truce. Extending the olive branch is the first step towards peace. Any questions on that? Yeah, I did not. I don't think I have the white flag as a symbol of surrender or giving up, but I'm glad you said that. Raise the white flag equal to give up. Yeah, pretty much. 
Yes, we do use it in colloquial speech. We sure do. Yeah. Um, mostly with people my age or older. I don't think younger people use raise the white flag, but you might hear that. It's um sometimes it can be used when you're trying to be funny. Like, oh yeah, I threw up the white you could say threw up as well. I threw up the white flag last night. I didn't want to fight with my wife anymore. I just surrendered. I gave up. Raise the right white flag. Yeah, good one. Good one. Um, Hand out the olive branch. Oh, okay. So that's the way you say it in Turkish. I'm going to try to say hello in Turkish. Bahat baha. But uh, I think I always say it wrong. Hey, and also, since we're in that part of the world, Turkey, just a little north is Iran. And I believe it's Persian New Year tomorrow. So I hope if anybody is watching from Iran or if you celebrate Persian New Year, I hope it's a good one. Turkey. Um, I was looking at flights to Turkey this week. Just curious. I can't afford to go. It's uh, quite expensive, but I would love to visit Cappadocia one day to see the hot air balloons. I hope I'm saying it correctly. It was about $1,200 to get to Cappadocia. Cappadocia. A little bit expensive. Yeah, we usually use that extend. And when you're talking about um, extending, hang on, I can show you. Extend. I have this right here. Yeah, I have a tripod. This is a tripod, but I could extend it. When you extend it, you just like pull it out a little bit more. You extend. So to shake somebody's hand, you could extend your hand to shake it. But we all we we almost always use that verb with it. You extend the olive branch. Yeah, I would stick with that. But or you can just say, "Hey." I'm trying to make nice. I'm trying to be nice. I'm extending the olive branch here. Work with me. All right. The next one. We got that. Extend the olive. Oh, next one. Treaty. A treaty. This is very formal. A treaty is here. And that you can see in the picture, there is a book. And there was a pen. Usually it takes a lot of time to come up with a treaty. Usually negotiations happen first. Remember that one? Negotiations happen first. And a treaty is something very formal. Both sides will agree to give up things, to get things. Sometimes an exchange of land, one army that wins might get a little bit more land things like that a treaty it's usually a piece of paper telling what side is doing to give up or get to stop the fight so both sides have to agree well unless one and we don't usually use this with friends this is very formal usually used with armies at war a treaty. Yep. 
It's a very formal agreement. Treaty. And uh, in history, at least the history that I have studied, so many peace agreements or treaties have been signed in Paris. Yeah, they often will say the Treaty of Paris, and then they will give the year after it. The Treaty of Paris. Pact. It's very... It's very similar to a treaty. A pact might happen when there is no war. So you could, a country could have a pact with another country and it could be all about money. It could be trade. Um, Maybe let's say the United States and, and Canada, we have a trade pact. I'm making this up, but um, Canada sends us wood we send them gasoline you know each country might get a little deal so um a pact could be a little bit bigger than just war so it's a very formal agreement so not exactly equal i wouldn't say i think a pact could be used in more ways treaty usually just to end war yeah for the most part yeah they're very similar though Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I do I do feel badly about the Turkish lira. It has been uh, not doing so well. It's not like any currency in the world is doing well now. The dollar is losing its um, value. NATO was a treaty. Yeah, it was an agreement with, what, 30 countries or so? White flag means to give up. Red flag? I don't know. Red flag is never give up. That is not very common in the United States. If that is a thing, I've never heard of that. No, the red flag. Sorry, not not in the United States, at least. Not in English. All right. Hey, there you go. Oh, oh okay. I don't know how to say that word. Navruz. But should I say Navruz Mubarak? Maybe for Happy New Year? I don't know. I don't know. But anybody who is celebrating anything, I hope it goes well. The next one, amnesty. Amnesty. This is a very tricky one here. Amnesty. Amnesty is safety from something that could harm you. Okay. So somebody could seek amnesty. They could move to another country and try to seek amnesty. Maybe they would be in trouble in one country, but if they go to another country, they will be safe. And that would be what they would be seeking. Amnesty. Amnesty. That is when you are trying to probably avoid something bad. So maybe in one country, it's illegal. In another country, it's not illegal. So you will seek amnesty in that country. You can also seek amnesty with your taxes, at least in the United States. So taxes are when you have to pay the government money. And maybe for some reason you can't pay that money, you could ask for amnesty 
for your taxes. That means you don't have to pay them. Very, very rare. There is a organization that in English we call Amnesty International. And that is a group that tries to help people in countries and they're in trouble for doing things that at least Amnesty International doesn't think they should be in trouble for. They try to look out for people in other countries. Amnesty International. The next one. Hang on. Got one more with Amnesty. Refugee. I talked about refugee in the English lesson I did for war a couple of weeks ago. And so a refugee is someone who is leaving a country because of war. So the refugee requested amnesty to enter the country. So maybe they don't have the proper visas. Maybe they don't have the proper passport. Maybe they don't have the proper papers. And they're just saying, please, I need help here. I'm seeking amnesty. I'm requesting amnesty. For a while, don't want to get too political here again, but in the United States, people from Cuba could go to the United States and they would almost always be granted amnesty because the United States and Cuba, they didn't get along so well. Take a quick drink. Um, I think relations between Cuba and the United States are getting better. But a lot of times Cubans would flee Cuba and try to reach the United States. And if they did, they would almost always be granted amnesty. They would be allowed to enter the country even though they didn't have the proper documents. Let's check the chat. Make sure there are no questions. Okay. Anya knows the group Amnesty International. Oh, and it's pronounced, so I know a little German. If I say Amnesty International, people in Germany will know what I mean. Perfect. Oh, no, I can't see that flag. What is it? Is that Poland? I'm a big fan of flags. No, that's not Poland. Oh, no, I don't know that one. That's not Turkey. I'm sorry, Gabriel. I don't know. I'm sorry, Gabriel, but welcome. Welcome. All right. Just checking the chat here. Oh. Red and white. Hmm. Yeah. What is that? Okay. I see people guessing red and white. Yeah. It could be definitely Poland, right? Could be Poland. Um, could be Belarus is red and green. I know that. I'm a big fan of flat. Oh, Indonesia. Very close. And what is that? That's Poland. I know. Our is Poland. Yeah. Hey, did you? I would love to. Hey, I would love to know. I'm always curious. Uh, what country are you from? Yeah, if you don't mind, can you put the uh, little emoji in the chat? Yeah, what country are you from? Put the little flag emoji and people can guess. And we can see how many people, um, what countries are represented in this chat. And some countries, 
the governments might not get along, but that doesn't mean the people have to fight. So perfect. I'd love to see some of those countries that are represented here. Some I know. Okay, we definitely have a vote for Poland. Yeah, that is definitely Poland. Ara is definitely from Poland. Now, Indonesia, is that when the red is on top and the white is on the bottom? I don't know. All right. Okay. New Year. Hey, who doesn't love a party, right? I hope everything goes well. Um, no, Blissful Mommy. No, I do not have political asylum on here, but it is a lot like amnesty. So political asylum, that means, and I don't want to get political here. Um, if your country has something illegal, um, let's say you spoke out against the government. Okay, you said things about the government that were true, but the government didn't like it. And they might put you in jail. And when you get out of jail, you might have a really hard time living life. You could seek political asylum in another country, and they might take you in. It's it's hard to explain some of these things in kind of simpler English. Because these are some pretty heavy topics. But I hope that helps. Political asylum. Asylum and amnesty are probably synonyms. They can probably be used interchangeably. At least for normal everyday people like me. If you work with the government and you're talking about amnesty and asylum, be careful. Because they could be slightly different. But to the average everyday person they sound like the same to me all right but well Lershenko. yeah he's not very popular in in some parts of the world that is poland right that is i know see i can cheat with uh, angelo because i know where he's from and he's from cutter and some people say you should not say cutter you should say qatar All right, the next one. We are learning about peace today. If you're just joining us, these are English terms, sayings, phrases, native English speakers use when they talk about peace. The next one here, let me pull this up. We did amnesty. So let's talk about let up. Let up. This is a phrasal verb you will hear. It does not have to be just with war, but let's say there is a lot of fighting. There's a lot of bombing. If there is a let up, it can be used as a noun. If there is a let up, it means it has stopped or it has not been as bad. There has been a let up in the fighting. The fighting has let up a little bit. Yes, I know where Ibrahim is from. So let's talk about let up in a sentence. There was a let up in the fighting. There it's being used as a noun. There was a let up in the fighting. 
but you could also use it with weather. The rain let up just long enough for us to cross the street without getting wet. So in that second sentence, it's used as a phrasal verb. The rain let up just long enough for us to cross the street without getting wet. So it's lull. If you've ever heard lull, don't think, yeah, that's not mine. I don't think I have lull. Oh, I do have lull. So the next three mean almost the same thing. It means there was something big or intense, then not as intense. And then it got intense again. So a lull, a let up, a breather, we're going to talk about in just a minute, means a little bit of a rest in between two things that were pretty intense. You can talk about rain, talk about snow, you can talk about wind, you can talk about fighting. Let's practice shadowing with this sentence alone. The rain let up just long enough for us to cross the street without getting wet. The rain let up just long enough for us to cross the street without getting wet. Let up. Hope that helps. The next one, really close, really close. It's another way to say rest, a breather. So you could take a rest when you're fighting. You could call it a breather. The army needed a breather to collect itself. But you could also use a breather when you're working out or doing work. So if you see the woman on the right, it does look like she has been working out. And it looks like she's taking a breather. She's taking a little rest. She is trying to get her breath back. She might have been breathing heavy before. If you're breathing heavy, it might sound like this. When you're working really hard or you're working out, that might be how you sound. So you take a breather. You take a rest to get your breath back. And this person over here looks like he's maybe shoveling hay. I don't know. Probably working with some cows, it looks like. And it looks like he's taking a breather. Maybe he worked really hard in the morning. He's going to take a breather right around lunchtime. He's going to take a little break. So I thought that might be a new term for you, a breather. But we use it quite a bit here in the United States. Let's check. Hey, how are you? Welcome. Oh, seat is here. It's okay. Just a little late. We have been doing this for uh, 45 minutes. Hope you all are learning some good English here. I hope your English is getting better. Apple the frog. Always good to see you in here. You're going to take a breather after class? Ah, I, I Maybe. This does not seem like work to me, though. This is fun. I enjoy seeing everybody in the chat. I enjoy thinking I might be helping your English. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I might work on another English lesson, actually, for next week. I think I'm working on uh, books, terms we use with books. So I might keep working 
I don't know. But hey, when you're working, when you're working and you're doing something you love, it doesn't feel like work, right? All right, the next one. Did we do a sentence? We didn't do a sentence with breather. Hang on, let's do this. She took a breather during her morning workout. She took a breather during her morning workout. Let's talk about it when a couple might be fighting. He and his girlfriend were starting to fight a lot. So they decided to take a breather. This is, um, if anybody is a Friends fan, this TV show Friends, Ross and Rachel, they were on a break for a little while. Apparently, apparently Ross, Ross probably shouldn't have had a girlfriend while he was taking a break from Rachel. But another way to say to take a break is we're going to take a breather for a little while. So it might, they might not get back together that couple when they're taking a breather, but so hopefully that helps with a breather. The next one, a lull. It is a lot like a let up, a lull. So if there has been a lot of fighting, a lot of bombing, and then it stops for a little while, you can call it a lull. Sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, I do have a cough button. I have a button I can push when I need to cough so you can't hear it. But the last time I did that, the microphone cut out, cut out. Another way to say it stopped working, phrasal verbs. So also a lull could be when something gets boring. And I have this example of when a movie might get boring and something you could do during it. So let's pretend you have gone to the theater to watch a movie. There was a lull in the movie. So it seemed the perfect time to visit the bathroom. There was a lull in the movie, so it seemed the perfect time to visit the bathroom. You might also hear a lull in the action. There was a lull in the action. Could be like um, maybe a sporting event, maybe a, a football game. And if there is a lull in the action, it just kind of maybe gets a little boring, not as exciting as it once was. The next one I'd like to teach you is stalemate. Stalemate. This is when two sides have been competing or they've been at war and neither side can win. This comes from the game of chess in English. Chess, that game on the left there, I can hide my face. In English, we call that game chess. And sometimes, Neither side can win. Neither side can get a checkmate. So we might say they've come to a stalemate. Stalemate. Neither side can win. And if you look at these two animals here, geez, I don't know what we would call those animals. Are they elk? It could be elk. There's some sort of cow, some sort of bull. And it looks like they're fighting that maybe they're taking a breather. Neither one can win, so they've come to a stalemate. 
Hope that helps. Stalemate. I'm sure I have a sentence here. Stalemate. It's a short one. The chess game ended in a stalemate. The chess game ended in a stalemate. Hopefully that helps. Just check in the chat. Ooh, hey. Malami, that's a great one. The lull before the storm. We sometimes say the calm before the storm. So the lull before the storm, it means you know it, it could be a storm. It could be a lot of rain and a lot of wind. Or it just could be something very intense. It's like the calm before the storm. Maybe something bad is going to happen. I teach school. Some of you may know I have a classroom and in my classroom, there are about 20 students and right before class begins, when the buses come and drop off the students, I might say, whoop, here's the lull before the storm. Here's the calm before the storm. It's peaceful in my classroom. Peaceful is the adjective we use when describing something that's has peace. It's peaceful. Oh, yesterday morning, the sunrise was beautiful. I had to get out of my car and take a picture. I put it on the um, community tab of this uh, channel. It was just so peaceful. So peaceful out there. The lull before the storm. The next one, there's no real sentence here. This is just in English. Maybe this is international at least in the United States, I should say, we have two signs of peace. They look like that. Two signs of peace. There's like the literal peace sign on the left and then the peace sign you can do with your, your fingers. I don't think I have a sentence for that. Just that's what we call it. If somebody says uh, peace sign, it could be one of those two things. Peace sign. I don't know. Is that, is that all around the world? I know some hand gestures, you got to be careful about hand gestures around the world, but in the United States, this means peace. This means peace. Hopefully in your country too. I don't want to go to a different country and Hey, peace. And it actually means something really bad because in England, if you do something like this, it's really bad. In the United States, it doesn't really mean anything. And both countries speak English. That's bad. Don't do that in England. If you come to the United States, yeah, you can do it all day. People might think you're a little strange if you just do that all day. But you could. It's not a bad thing. All right. Peace sign is the next one. Now, after peace sign, though, we got this one pacifist might be difficult to say pacifist you can see this person on the left is extending an olive branch you can see the person on the right is probably saying that they don't want war i can imagine a pacifist is someone who doesn't want war they believe in peace she was a pacifist. She was totally against the idea of war. Pacifist. That is what a pacifist is. They are someone 
who is totally against war. Unfortunately, you know, I wish there was no war in the world, but uh, humans can be greedy, right? Humans can be greedy. That's a lot of what wars are about. Yeah, I do believe so, Marina. We had a president at one time. His name was Richard Nixon, and he sometimes did that for peace, or it could be V for victory. Absolutely. Absolutely, Marina. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. It's not pretty how I handle a noisy class. Um, At the beginning of the year, I have to be pretty strict. I have to raise my voice. I might have to yell a little bit like, hey, show my angry eyes. But in this time of the year, though, I just have to look at a student, you know, that we know each other well enough. Like I've just cut it out. You know, I, I try to do it quietly. So my classes are great. It takes a little while at the beginning of the year to show students like, hey, this is not a teacher you want to mess with. You have to show students at the beginning. I teach 13 and 14 year olds. They are always trying to get away with something. Not all of them, but some of them. So at this time of year to handle a noisy class, I mean, I don't have any, but all I have to do, I might just do this. You know, if one, if one student is talking a little bit too much, but in my class, um, there are times of the class where students can talk with each other about what they're working on. So it's a, Oh yeah. Ibrahim, be careful. The middle finger, that one right there, buddy. If you turn it and have that one, the only one extended, we talked about extended earlier. Yeah, that could be bad. That could be bad. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Pacifists in U.S. history. Yeah, it could be the hippies. Yeah, the hippies of the 1960s. They had long hair, and they did that a lot. Absolutely. Oh, I almost, I wanted to make Miniman this morning for breakfast, but I know I'm going live so I had a quick granola bar, but I was craving Miniman yesterday. When you want something, usually food, and you really want to eat it, you could say, I'm craving it. Oh, right now I'm craving some Miniman. And I'm going to put onions in mine next time. Going to put onions. Don't don't show the don't show the middle finger. I mean, if you're really mad at someone, I guess you could, but watch out. They might get mad right back. All right, the next one, serenity or serene. I know there are a couple fans of the TV show Seinfeld, and they had a saying, serenity now, serenity now. So if something is serene or if you are experiencing serenity, it's probably pretty peaceful. If you look at this woman in the middle at the bottom, look at her face. I mean, that's peaceful. That's serene. Serene is another way to say peaceful. But if you look at some of these pictures, the woman who is lying on the dock, 
next to the water. That looks pretty serene to me. I bet she is feeling a lot of serenity. So serenity is the noun, but you could describe a place as serene. See the woman on top? She's at the beach. A lot of people probably feel pretty serene when they're at the beach. And here's one uh, sentence with serene. The area near the river was so serene, he immediately felt at peace. The area near the river was so serene, he immediately felt at peace. Right, let's check the chat. Any questions about... Wait a, wait a second. Tranquility. Did you did you see my slide already? How did you know that I was going to do tranquility next? Fayez, I think, is a, a time traveler. Did you go ahead in time, find out the next slide, and then say it before I showed it? Tranquil. Tranquility. Yeah, we'll be talking about that one next out. All right, um, Sarah, I could. I could talk about handout. It's not exactly about peace, but if someone is given a handout, it means they're given something for free. So if um, somebody was waiting at a food bank, at a food bank, we have food banks in the United States. They have free food there for people. And they might be given a handout. And that handout could be free food. Be careful. There is a little bit of a negative connotation with handout. Some people see it as a bad thing. Oh, they were given a handout. So, but that's what it means. Something was given for free. Okay. A handout. Yeah. What a coincidence. Hmm. Uh, a coincidence is when two things happen and you didn't expect it just happened to, it just happened. Um, let's see to th this, this week in the United States, some people celebrated St. Patrick's day. It's where people wear green here in the United States. There are a lot of people whose families have come from Ireland. So they're Irish. There might be Irish American and you could wear green on St. Patrick's day. If somebody didn't realize, or they didn't remember it was St. Patrick's day, but they happened to wear green anyway, it would be a coincidence. Like, Oh, I forgot it's St. Patrick's day. Luckily I'm wearing green. What a coincidence. So it's so when two things happen good things. It's a good thing that it happens, but you didn't plan it. So, oh yeah, we all need serenity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Miniman. Oh yeah. Oh, it's so good. Miniman. And it's so simple. Some green peppers, some onions. I know not everybody in Turkey likes onions and their Miniman, but oh, it's so good.
food bank. Yes. If that's a new term, there is a food bank in my city and, um, people, if they don't have enough food, they can go there. Some people volunteer to work at the food bank. So we have a new pet duck, apple, the frog, a pet duck. How does that work? Does the duck keep you up at night because he quacks too much? Well, good luck with your duck. What's your duck's name, Apple? What's your duck's name? All right, the next one, let's pull this up. It is tranquility or tranquil. So tranquility is the noun. Tranquil would be the adjective. Somebody could be having a moment of tranquility or they could be feeling tranquil. Do I, I should have, ah, yes. I do have a sentence with tranquil. After the yoga session, a tranquil feeling spread across her body. Again, you are feeling very peaceful. If something is tranquil, you might hear water running in the background. You might be at peace with yourself. You might be meditating. Some people feel very tranquil when they are meditating. Let's check the chat for any questions here. Oh, yeah. Blissful Mummy. Can safe haven be used in a similar way to shelter? Yes. Yes. Safe haven. Um, And we could use this for refugees, too. They are fleeing the war, trying to reach safe haven. Absolutely. Shelter. Yeah, could use that as well. Okay, so handout also can be used in class. Thank you. Thank you for that. So if I had papers and I wanted to hand them out to my students, I literally use my hand to pass them out. Yeah, so a handout. And if you notice, I'm sorry, I don't know the Cyrillic language so well. Um, I think that first uh, that first letter is pronounced like an F in English, because I know I know how to read cafe in Russian. But um, a handout in class that is the noun right there. A handout. Right there, it's a noun. Or you could use it as a phrasal verb. I am handing out papers. Good. All right, the duck's name is Gold. All right, Apple. Thanks for sharing that with us. All right, we are at about one hour for this class. So I hope your English has gotten better. I do want to thank Angelo again for the super chat somewhere back there. Very nice of you. Where is it right there? I can't find it. Oh, I can. So again, I I don't know if Angelo is still here, but I do thank him. I do thank all the channel members. I do thank anyone who has subscribed to the channel. I do thank anyone who has liked the video. Thank you so much. I love doing this. I'm My son is done with hockey, so I hope I can do this once a week. I have, I'm working on a lesson about things you forget and English verbs, vocabulary terms that we use with books. 
So next couple weeks, you might see a couple more live English lessons from this channel. Thank you everyone for watching and uh, have a good rest of your Saturday. Maybe it's nighttime where you live, but thanks so much. I'll see you all later. Today we are in the desert. I finally have my hydration. Please pretend you didn't see the shadow of my camera in that last dramatic shot when I was getting my first sip of Monster. But since we are in the desert, right there, lots of cactuses. Um, don't tell anybody, but lots of houses just right over there. I thought today would be a great day to learn all of the English sayings and terms we use with rain because this place sees rain so rarely. And in this lesson, as you learn, we're actually gonna go up there. Should be pretty cool. On the other side, there's a big hole in the mountain and we're going to be able to look out that hole Oh, a, a dove is looking at my monster. Shoo. Yeah, water is so rare out here that even the birds are trying to get my monster. Look at him, he's looking. I hope he doesn't take my keys, but... Let's just see if he wants to take my monster. Everybody wants my monster, it's such a good drink. He's walking away now. The first term in English we use with rain that I would love to teach you is it's raining cats and dogs. I think almost every new learner to English learns this and it means when it's raining really hard out but guess what native English speakers we don't use that term anymore so be careful I think all English uh, native English speakers will know it's raining cats and dogs out means it's raining really hard but we might say something like "Ooh, it's really pouring out out there or it's really coming down out there right I think somebody has a remote control car up here distracting me from my teaching. Let's check it out. Yeah, you might hear the term RC car or remote control car. From his paint job, I can tell he's been in a couple wrecks, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I didn't plan on teaching remote control car or RC car, but now you know. 
Now the next one we do use is come rain or shine. So if you tell someone you're going to do something, come rain or shine, that means no matter what happens, you are going to get it done. For instance, say there's a party on Friday night. Your friend asks, hey, are you going to the party? You could say, hey, come rain or shine, I will be there. All right, we're getting close. Uh, the next one is rain on somebody's parade. We use this when someone gets some really good news and then another person like ruins the mood or makes that person feel bad for some reason. Let's say somebody just gets into the college of their dreams. They've been dreaming forever to get into college. Let's say it's Harvard. That's one of the best schools in the United States. And then when you tell your friend, maybe it's you, that, hey, I just got into Harvard, they might say, oh, super expensive, isn't it? You would be raining on that person's parade. They just got some good news, and then you tell them something bad. Do you know what a parade is? Um, it has floats and marching bands and possibly some dancers, maybe a famous politician of the city, and everybody goes down the street. Often there's music playing. It's a good time. But you can imagine if it has to get canceled because of rain, well, that's where rain on somebody's parade comes from. Ooh, it's getting a little windy. You could take a rain check. A rain check, it comes from going into stores and wanting to buy something on sale. And maybe the store has run out of that item. They don't have it anymore. The store could issue you a rain check, meaning, okay, we don't have that item. Let's say it's a toaster. Maybe you want some morning breakfast. You're making some toast. And maybe it's on sale for $5. The store could say, we ran out. We don't have any more. But here's this piece of paper. It's a rain check. Come back in next week when we have more toasters you can get the sale price. In everyday English, we use take a rain check when you are invited somewhere, but you can't go. You want to go at a later date. Let's take a party, Friday night party. I hope you all are invited to parties. So let's say you're invited to a party on Friday night. You can't go, maybe you have to work. And you tell your friend, hey, can I take a rain check? It means, I can't go this Friday, but the next time you ask me, I want to go. I would love to go up to that mountain, but there is a big fence that prevents us from going up there. Let's see how far we can get because I have some more English to teach and that hole is just right up there. All right, the city of Phoenix. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh no, it says area closed over there. Um, because this park allows people to walk on it, they are probably trying to protect the vegetation. Vegetation is another name for plant life. 
And this says trail healing revegetation site. Revegetation, vegetation, so the plants around here. Probably too many people have walked in this area, so they're probably trying to regrow some of the plants there. Letting them heal, stop people from walking on them. <clears throat> So let's go, let's go back over to the, uh, to the area that's not closed. Can you, I think that's the city of Phoenix, way, way down there. Not sure if the camera is picking it up. All right, the next one, when it rains, it pours. So earlier in the lesson, I talked about pouring rain. It's like raining cats and dogs, but we don't use that term. Raining really hard. When it rains, it pours. It means when you get one piece of bad news, you will get a lot of bad news. A lot of bad things happening to you in about the same period of time. I'm gonna use a bad example. I hope this never happens to you. But let's say in one week, you get fired. You lose your job. Then your car breaks down. Then you get sick. That's three items of bad news. That's three bad things happening to you at once. So you could say, when it rains, it pours. What do you say we do the next one up in that hole? But I need to get up there first. And I've also heard you have to watch out for snakes up there and scorpions. Hopefully because it's winter, they're somewhere else, but I gotta be careful of that. Let's see if I can get up this rock. I don't see any snakes. Let's do it. <clears throat> oh, pretty cool. Now, I, I was more worried about getting up in here. I need to remember what the next one was. Oh, rain out. Look at this over here. All right, <clears throat> a rain out. Um, unfortunately, that is when you have something planned outside and it actually starts raining. So you can't do it. Uh, maybe somebody has a wedding planned for the spring and it's outside and there are no coverings overhead. Well, they would probably be rained out of their wedding, unfortunately. You could have like a ball game rained out yeah and sometimes we use the noun it was a rain out hey how was the game yesterday ah it was a rain out too much rain <sighs> now how is my fat butt gonna get down there i might have to do that off camera it's it's easier to get up than to get down i don't know let's try it because if i fall that would be a good video too, right? I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna scoot on my butt. Do you know that verb, scoot? Well, I'm scooting down this rock on my butt. Oh, oh, 
my pants are all dirty. It could have been uh, from the beginning of the video when I was crawling on the dirt for my monster. Yeah, this could end badly, especially with one hand. I just need to get my foot on that little ledge. Hang on, I might have to put the camera away or just have a really bad camera angle. Okay. Oh, I think we got it. Say hello to the dad shoes. The dad shoes will hopefully prevent me from falling. All right, we're gonna hop. <clears throat> hop down. Not easy to do for a, a 46 year old guy. I'll probably be feeling it tomorrow. That's a, that's a term you can use when you know you're going to be sore the next day. Let's say you had a hard workout. You might say, ooh, it was a good workout. I'm gonna feel it tomorrow. How about the plural for rain? We don't say, ooh, there's lots of rains out there. We might change it to raindrops. Whoa, those raindrops are big. There's a lot of raindrops out there. We'd probably just say it's really raining out there, but if you ever wanna talk about the little bits of water, just call them raindrops. carved little steps out of the mountain for us. Oh look, Donnie B was here. We call that graffiti in English and uh, I wish people wouldn't do it. It ruined the natural beauty of this place. Yuck, I don't know what's worse. The graffiti or the wads of gum that people have stuck to the wall. It's pretty gross. Did you know that word? Wad, wad of gum? So gross. Uh, the next term I wanna teach you is deluge. Deluge, there's an L in it. You can see how it's spelled up there, but that just means a lot of rain, like maybe even more than pouring, <clears throat> but you can use it for a lot of other things, like a deluge of bad news, like when it rains, it pours. But if someone is having a deluge of bad news, it's just like a lot. It's really raining down on them. Ooh, some people are riding their bikes on these trails. That would be fun. But you know what? No lie, it is pretty dry in the desert and I could use some water right now. My throat is parched. Do you know that word, parched? Hey, the land out here is parched. It's really dry, so if you're really thirsty, you could say another way to say that is my throat is parched and the land out here in the desert, it's pretty parched as well. I hope you've liked this lesson from this beautiful spot in the desert. If you're looking for more English lessons and a deep dive on a word, I did the word warm, but I did it in a snowstorm. 
doesn't make any sense, but check that video out if you want more English. Thanks for watching. See you next time. Well, hello there. Great to see you all here. I know it's late for people living in Asia, so maybe you're watching on replay. So welcome to anyone watching live or watching on replay. I thought, uh, should I do this topic? It's timely. That's a word we might use in English. It's timely because so much is in the news. So many people are talking about war right now. But like Anya said, I mean, it's, it's a tough, tough topic. So what my goal is here today is to give you at least 20 English vocabulary words that you may hear or read while watching or listening to the news. So, of course, we are all thinking about Ukraine right now, what's going on there in this unprovoked attack. Unprovoked means the Ukrainian didn't ask for this. They didn't do anything to deserve this. So I do see Mega here, though, from India. Wow, Hamina, Mega. So I know it's late over there. Harry, how are you? Yulia, welcome, everyone. I saw Sita here. Welcome. So my goal today will be to shed some light on some of those difficult vocabulary words you might hear while watching the news, but I also tried to pick some words that were used when we talk about war, but also you might hear about them in everyday life. The other thing is when I refer to the army that is fighting the Ukraines, I will not refer to them as Russians. I believe most Russians don't want this war. They are ashamed of this war. Of course, I can't speak for all Russians. But the, the people or the army that is fighting in Ukraine right now against the Ukrainians, I will call them Putin's army instead of the Russians. So with that said, let's get into some words that you might hear while watching or listening to the news. First one I want to talk about is aggressor. Aggressor. So the aggressor is the person or the country or the side that starts the fight, that starts the war. In a war, the aggressor is the one who starts the fight, the aggressor. Now, other words that you might hear that are similar to aggressor are aggressive. Somebody could be aggressive. If you see in that picture, the dog, that dog looks aggressive to me. Looks like he could really bite somebody. And you might hear aggression. So the dog took its aggression out on the small animal. All of them have something to do with almost like angry, the aggressor. The next one, 
And I'll, I will be looking in the chat just in case anyone has any questions about any of these words. It's what a good teacher does, right? Elena, thank you for joining us. Hope all is well. Oh, and I have, I do want to uh, mention uh, three Ukrainians by name because they have left comments. I've talked with them in the comment section. So Eugen, if you're watching, I hope you're safe, buddy. Um, Marina, been with the channel for a long time. I hope you're also safe in Katerina. So a big hello to all of you out there. And I know uh, it's not easy for you. So Semra, what is going on? Hope you're well in Turkey. The next one is preemptive. Preemptive. This is a good word to know. Preemptive. It means before something starts. Pre. That prefix in English almost always means before. Before. So we might have a sentence like the war started with a preemptive strike. So even before the war starts, one army chooses to attack the other. A preemptive strike. Preemptive. Before it happens. But in that picture, I also have something used in medicine. Because you might also hear preventative medicine or preventive medicine. Does anybody know what that? Alan, Alan, glad to see you in here. He is from Poland, but I, I won't. I won't say more than that. I know. I know where you're at, though. Hope all is well. Hope all is well. What is the picture? That medical thing in that picture. Does anyone know what that is? It's hard enough to say, by the way. I will wait just for a second. But I have another uh, sentence here for you. Preemptive medicine is medicine you take before you get sick. So maybe your doctor has an idea. Like maybe you have a family history. How about that? Maybe you have a family history of heart trouble. And so the doctor may prescribe medicine before you get sick, as you get older. Or maybe you have a family history of high blood pressure. That's what we say in English. I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what that is, but I think it's when the blood rushes through your body too quickly. So if you have a family history of high blood pressure, maybe a father, a mother, grandmother, grandfather who had high blood pressure, you might get some preemptive medicine. So maybe in your 30s, before your blood pressure gets high, you are given some medicine. Hope that helps. Hope that helps. Oh, Sita. Hey, uh, I appreciate the super chats. Thank you so much. That is so kind of you. So kind of you. Um, that's very nice of you. That's very nice of you. 
Um, it means a lot. Um, and I am thankful that I am here able to teach in my nice warm home. I'm very safe. Uh, that money is very helpful. Um, yeah, thank you very much. Uh, normally I would play a little something, but it doesn't quite feel right. But uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's very kind of you. Very kind of you. Preventive. Yes. Preventive. Yes. That is something to prevent something from happening. So you might have preventive medicine as well. As well. Yes. Nicely done, Harry. Yeah. So prevent to stop something before it happens. Preemptive. It's, it's very similar. Very similar. Um, let's use it with war, though. With preventive, maybe the army would set up a barricade. That would be a preventive move. That would be there's no battle, but it would stop the army from coming. Okay. All right. Uh, back to Sita. Thank you so much for that super chat. It is... Um, it is a it is a little strange for me to um, celebrate the super chat right now, though, because I know so many people are uh, suffering in Ukraine right now. But thank you. It, it does mean a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Preventive. Preventive. Preemptive. Very, very close. Constantine, how are you, my friend? I hope you are doing well. The next one blindside blindside you can use this in war okay i am sure ukrainians were blindsided by putin's attack when you are blindsided it means you are surprised so if you take a look at that woman in the picture she's clearly smiling she doesn't realize she is about to be hit so we sometimes use blindsided in war. Like I have there, the Ukrainians were blindsided by Putin's attack. They didn't realize it was coming. I think a poll was taken before the Russia, the, the Putin's army came into Ukraine. And I think most said there will be no war. Now, now, not to get into history too much. Now, there has been a war in the Western part of Ukraine for a long time, for many years. But the fact that the war has come to Lviv and um, Kiev, that might be a shock. So they might have been blindsided by that. But we can also use blindsided in regular everyday English. Anytime you are surprised by something, Okay. So she was blindsided by the news of the earthquake. Really quickly, just to mention, um, there was an earthquake, by the way, and I will use earthquake in another example later on, but there was an earthquake in Indonesia. So I hope everyone uh, in Indonesia is doing well. It was a rather large earthquake believe it was a uh, 6.2 earthquake 
And in English, we say magnitude, like how strong it was. So you might be blindsided by the news of an earthquake. So we can't predict earthquakes. We never really know when they are going to happen. So you might be blindsided by the news of the earthquake. So I'm sure most people in Indonesia are sleeping now. But if you are watching this on replay, I hope everyone is okay there. I have heard of some reports of deaths, and uh, obviously that is never good. But we were talking about blindsided. The next one, skirmish. You will often hear skirmishes happening during war. And what a skirmish is, it's a small battle, a small fight. So maybe at the border of Ukraine right now, there are skirmishes going on. Small little battles, not big armies. Skirmish, skirmish. Skirmishes often happen before the real war happens. Skirmish at the border. Hope that is helping. I will check the chat here. Oh, Harry. Well, I hope all is well in Indonesia. And I know that you are up very late. Night owl. Let's see. Stethoscope. Stethoscope. That thing right there. I'm glad you said that, Amina, and I'm glad you spelled it because I can't spell it. Stethoscope. It's hard enough to pronounce. Stethoscope. Nicely done, Amina. Nicely done. All right, skirmish is where we were at. Ooh, next one, bayonet. Uh-oh, Constantine. Weird and strange. Um, hey, Constantine, really quickly, uh, there's no real difference between weird and strange. I think we use them interchangeably, I think. There's, wow. Um, I heard a strange noise last night that woke me up. Um, that man is giving me a strange look. That man is giving me a weird look. Yeah, I think you can use those both interchangeably. Skirmish. Skirmish. Any more? I don't think so. All right, the next one. Uh, this, you might see this. This is more for war and history, historical wars, not so many modern day wars. But you might see a bayonet at the end of a gun. Or you could say a knife at the end of a gun, people would know what you mean, but you might hear bayonet. Hopefully there is no fighting with bayonets in this war because we would call it close combat. Close combat when people are fighting, maybe hand-to-hand -hand combat, we could also call it. Um, and that's that's really bad, of course. Bullets uh, are bad enough at a distance. Bombs are bad enough at a distance. But 
if there is fighting with bayonets that's really close combat hand-to-hand combat we might say constant yeah you're welcome so weird strange odd they're pretty much all synonyms the next one foxhole let me make that a little bit bigger foxhole the animal pictured is a fox but that soldier is in his foxhole mary you're on how are you welcome melee i don't have this as one of the vocabulary words but we can talk about melee right now melee is another term for a fight when i hear melee i often think of a riot where people are going crazy stores are being robbed maybe a concert a music concert gets out of hand gets too wild that is uh what i think of when i hear melee melee so nice Uh, sometimes Constantine weird has a broader meaning supernatural. Yeah, it, it can, it can, but, uh, sometimes I think they are used interchangeably, but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Let's look at a sentence here with foxhole. The soldier waited in his foxhole for the enemy foxhole. So you could going back to our, preemptive or preventative um, digging a foxhole that would be a preventive strategy you know the army will be coming soon so you might dig into your foxhole all right the next one is uh, one of my least favorites unfortunately but refugees refugees Here's a sentence with refugees. The refugees fled from their homes to the country's borders. Refugees are always people, you know, who's that? They are always people who are fleeing. You can see I have the past tense of flee in that sentence, and it is spelled F L E E. Refugees are people who flee from their country. They leave their country because of war, because of war. Um, It could be also because of famine. If there is a lot of hunger in the country, we would call it famine. So you might see people leaving their country because of famine or war. Refugees or Um, harsh treatment. I can imagine in North Korea right now. Now, thankfully, there is no war in North Korea. But I think most people would agree there is some pretty harsh treatment in North Korea. The North Koreans do not have their freedom. So if somebody left North Korea, there's also famine in North Korea too but we would call them refugees. They are running away from their country 
for a bad reason, refugees. I hope that helps. The next one is camouflage. Camouflage. I think that's fun to say. Camouflage. And in this picture, I don't have a soldier. I have a hunter. And if you see the pattern on his clothing, we would call that camouflage. Camouflage can also be used as a verb. The hunter was camouflaged in the woods. That's another way to say hidden, camouflaged, camouflaged. Hopefully that helps, camouflage. Let me take a look here in the comments just to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. KS from Russia, I hope you are doing well. Yes, and I see what is what is happening. Um, two innocent Russians right now. Um, I'm also, my heart goes out. That's a word you can use or a phrase you can use. That you can use whenever you are feeling empathy for someone. Empathy is when you feel like you know how they are feeling. Empathy. So my heart goes out to Ukrainians, of course. They're dealing with something horrific. They are innocent. Putin is awful. I hope we can agree. And Putin is hurting his own country. And there are a lot of innocent Russians who do not want this war, and they are also being hurt. The Russian ruble has fallen because of Putin's actions. I'm also, um, my heart goes out to the Poles. I know Alan was in here earlier. A lot of refugees are pouring into Poland, leaving Ukraine because of the war. And I suspect that Romania is also feeling the burden of refugees. Nice, Harry, camouflage jacket. I have a couple students in my class who also wear camouflage. Some of them hunt, some of them don't, but a lot of people in the United States. Katerina, I mentioned you earlier. I hope everything is doing well, going well for you there. Katerina says, I live in Ukraine. I ask everyone to pray for Kiev, for Kharkov, for every city. The leader of Russia is just killing, destroying Ukrainians, peaceful people. Yeah. Awful. Awful. I'm sure many of us are sitting at home just wishing we could do something. And there's not a lot we can do. It's a... Helpless feeling, helpless feeling. All right, Jamie is, uh, I think, at the gym right now, but she is, um, and I like the the color. We got some yellow, we got some yellow and blue. Uh, Ukraine, my heart goes out to uh, Ukraine right now. All right. I do not have a camouflage jacket. No, I do not, Harry. Um, they're cool, though. 
All right, let's get back to the lesson. I was just checking to see if anyone um, has any comments. And Katarina, um, I know I will be making a donation to a group called UNICEF, and they are in Ukraine now trying to help in any way they can. So uh, I, I hope this ends soon. I hope this ends soon. I hope this doesn't spill over into other parts of the world. Okay. Um, yeah, tough stuff, tough stuff, tough topic. All right, uh, the next thing, camouflage. Surrender, surrender. This is something I hope the Ukrainians never have to do. Surrender, though, often happens in war. And it's another way to say give up or that you admit you lost. I have a feeling that most Ukrainians will never surrender. Um, This is not new for Ukrainians. Ukrainians have a long history of suffering. They are caught in between uh, two very powerful um, powers, the West, Russia. Even in the Soviet Union, um, Stalin, you know, I almost talked about genocide. Uh, Maybe we can do number two, a part two of this um, vocabulary with war. But the the Ukrainians have suffered for a long time, caught in the middle again. But I have a feeling Ukrainians will never surrender. But the white flag is often a symbol of surrender. If somebody is done fighting, they might raise the white flag. That means I give up. Surrender. The next one is crosshairs. So if you have a gun and you look through the scope, it's what we call the part of the gun that you might see crosshairs, That almost X on its side, we call those crosshairs, crosshairs. Now, they can be used in war. The soldier looked through the crosshairs to hit the target. That might be a sentence you could use for war and crosshairs. But we also use it in everyday life. So if you feel like you are in the crosshairs of something, you could feel threatened by it. It does not have to be any physical harm. But I I have this sentence here. Somebody feels like they made a mistake at work and they might get fired. They might lose their job. They might get let go. No, they might. They might be let go. What's that? They think they might be let go. They might be let go of their job. That's how we say that one. I felt as if I was in my boss's crosshairs. I could be fired any day. So if you are feeling threatened by something, you might feel like you are in the crosshairs. Hope that helps. Let me check the comments just to make sure there are no questions about any of these words. Yes, Semra. 
our hearts are with you. Yes, everyone in Ukraine, um, they did not ask for this. Yeah, that would be great if Putin just admits I messed up. I know thousands of people have died because of me, but um, yeah, I I feel like I'm a bad leader. I'm going to step down. Another phrasal verb. Uh, something tells me he won't ever step down either, unfortunately. But he's hurting his own people, and I know his own people know that. All right, um, crosshairs. Oh, Lucian. Um, Lucian from Romania. Um, yeah, World War Three is approaching. I don't know anymore. You know, I never thought that um, Putin would invade Ukraine. But I know uh, not far from Romania is a, a place called Moldova and Transnistria um, is, a, is a, I don't know. I hope that, I hope it ends here and it doesn't spread, but you never know, right? You never know. Oh no. Is it a noun? Uh, crosshairs, I think is what you're asking. It is a noun. Yes. Crosshairs is a noun. Good question. Good question. Oh no, I can't. What is that? What is that country? Is that? Let me get this. Huh. Well, that is the Georgian flag. If you are from Georgia, welcome. Um, Georgia is very familiar with Putin's ways. Georgia was attacked. Capital of uh, Georgia is uh, Tbilisi, right? Tbilisi. So welcome if you're uh, living in Tbilisi. I hope all is well. Ah, uh, geez. Yeah, I hope not. Uh, I'm worried, obviously. Uh, I have a lot of friends in Taiwan now. Yep, that worries me. Uh, but it seems like even the Chinese government told Putin, no, not good, not good. All right, I can hear my dog uh, barking. He is in his kennel. Um, I hope he. I hope he's not bothering, bothering you right now. All right, crosshairs. The next one is evacuate. The next one is evacuate, and that is anytime you need to leave somewhere. We might use this with war. Yes. So the civilians had to evacuate their houses or the army had to evacuate their bunker. I did not use bunker here, but bunker is where soldiers stay. It's usually made of concrete, and um, that is where they can't be hurt, or they are less likely to be hurt in a bunker. Sometimes bunkers are underground. There were just so many terms I could have put here that I left some out, but bunker. We also could talk about a fire. You may have to evacuate a building because of a fire. Here's a sentence for you. The children evacuated their school as the fire raged. And I wanted to use a different kind of verb for you, 
raged as if the fire is really, really strong. Yeah, I hope you can. I am very distracted right now by my dog or by Hank, my wife's dog. So I'm not sure why he's barking, but uh, sorry about that. Now, if I make this a little bigger, evacuate, that blue sign is actually often found near beaches in the United States. And that little white symbol in the middle of that blue sign means hurricane. So if there is a hurricane, you might have an evacuation route. So evacuation can be used as a noun. It can be used as a verb right there. So that would be a place to find safety if a hurricane is coming. That would be a preventative measure or a preemptive measure if you are going to leave the city before the hurricane comes. And the other picture, more red and white, um, that's an evacuation plan. A lot of schools have evacuation plans just in case there is a fire. Hope that helps. Hope that helps. The next one is guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare. So this one, I believe, comes from the French. Put that back up there. Guerrilla warfare. And I wanted to use this one for this war that's going on in Ukraine. Now, if Putin's army is able to get to Kiev, it seems like they're having a hard time doing that. The Ukrainians are putting up a stiff resistance. I don't have stiff resistance for this, but anytime somebody is fighting back and they're fighting back hard, you can say stiff resistance. So if Putin's army is able to get into Kiev, I have a feeling we will see guerrilla warfare. And what that is, is when maybe the army but it might be regular everyday people. They have a gun. They're not part of the army, but they're shooting from buildings and running away or they're shooting, excuse me, shooting behind trees and they're running away. It is not a big army that is fighting. It's small groups of people. They take a few shots and they run, they hide. And when Wars go into cities. A lot of times you have guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare. Uh, that's how the United States, or it was the colonies at the time, fought off the British. We didn't have a big army. We had little armies that would shoot from trees and run away, shoot from farmhouses and run away. Um, it can be very effective. Later on, we're going to talk about offensive and defensive, and I might talk about guerrilla warfare again. The next one is debris. Debris, that is how that is pronounced. I know there's an S at the end, but we pronounce it debris, debris. And you can see in that picture, it looked like there was a house there before, 
Now there is only debris, debris. So we use debris, it's almost like trash, but after a war, when buildings have crumbled or after a hurricane or after an earthquake, we might say there was only debris left. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I have to cough. Should get some water. So it's um, families' homes that once were there, but are now crumbled. Large buildings, uh, trees can be part of debris if everything is all mixed up. Debris. Hope that helps. The next one is patriotism. So next one, okay. Patriotism. Now let's be careful with this one. Oh my gosh. I had one more for, for uh, guerrilla warfare. And I know some people use these sentences to shadow. So let me read this sentence word for word. The Ukrainians are on the defensive and could use guerrilla warfare. So let's just for a second talk about offensive and defensive. We can use this with war, but we can also use this with sports. So if anybody watches football, not soccer, but soccer for Americans, football, football, defensive, defensive. These are players that are trying to stop the other team from scoring defensive players in this war. I would say the Ukrainians are on the defensive. Putin's army invaded Ukraine. They are trying to defend their homeland. They are trying to defend their homes. Offensive. Those are the players in football who are trying to score. In war, oftentimes, it's easier to be on the defensive. You can get to your supplies easier. You know the terrain. You know where buildings are. You know where to hide in guerrilla warfare. It is very hard to invade and take over another nation. So the Ukrainians are on the defensive. Putin's army is on the offensive. Now, if Putin's army is forced out of Ukraine, then the Ukrainians would be on the offensive. I hope that helps. I hope that helps. Debris. Sorry, we have one more sentence for debris. Debris can be found after wars and natural disasters like earthquakes. Hope that helps. One more time with that shadowing in case anyone is watching on replay or you want to pause the live stream or you're listening on the podcast. Debris can be found after wars and natural disasters like earthquakes. Hope that helps. Before we get to patriotism, because that's a tricky one, I would like to check in the comments to see if 
there are any questions. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, not the happiest of topics. That is true. Uh, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Uh, Brent, is it possible for you to go live on both Facebook and YouTube at the same time? It is possible. The only problem was when I went live, my friends saw me on their Facebooks. They're like, why are you teaching me English? Oh, so I would love to go live on Facebook too. Maybe I'll use a different account, but I showed up, showed up in a lot of my friends' Facebook feeds. So I only went one time, one time. Hey, Judith, I'm glad you are here. Let's see. I saw evacuate. Um, can we use it when we need to evacuate people? Yes. So when we're talking about evacuating, we are talking about people. And we would probably use the preposition from to describe where they're leaving. Um, let's see. So you might say the soldiers are evacuating from the makeshift camp. We'll talk about that in a minute. Talk about that in a minute. So, yeah. All right. Thank you. You've remembered Ukraine. Oh, I live near Odessa. My friends live in Odessa. Sometimes hear the explosion sounds. It's very scary for them. I, uh, I still, I would love to visit Odessa right on the Black Sea. It looks like a beautiful town. I want to visit Kiev. Uh, oh, pew, phew. Can't hear the dog. That's great. Sam, you're up very late. Ah, Tbilisi is in the house. Tbilisi is in the house. Uh, French word, Eric says. Now, there, for some reason, there are a lot of French words or French roots in English when we talk about war. So, debris would be from the French gorilla, which is very close to the French word for war. So, Eric, thank you for that. Patriotism isn't actually, hang on. There was one more. Well, Constantine, that's that's so true. Um, World War III will, will be the last one. Um, hmm. uh, yeah, I don't want to get too much into, um, you know, nuclear weapons and stuff, but it does sound like Putin said he wasn't afraid to use nuclear weapons if he had to. At least that's what I heard. Maybe not, but yeah, let's hope that let's hope that does not happen. World War Three. All right. Um, debris. Debris. All right. Let's see. Raphael. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I feel bad for. Um, 
a lot of the soldiers fighting um, in Putin's war, I, I don't know if that is one reason why it is taking Putin's army so long to get to Kiev. I know that I've heard that Ukrainians are putting up stiff resistance. But I wonder how many soldiers in Putin's army are like, I know these are my orders. Orders are when you have to do something in the army. But their heart might not be in it. Like, I know. And even in the American army, in the U.S. army, if you disobey an order, you could be put in prison. You could be put to death. So, yeah, it is sad that we need to focus on this topic. And I wish this would be the last time we had to talk about war. Something tells me it's not. It's not. Shevket is here. So Lucian is from Romania. He says, our government helps Ukraine's people with food and places to sleep. Today, Romania also sent military equipment costing 3 million euros. Everyone says World War III is a possible scenario. Hope there is peace. Yeah, it, it definitely is. It definitely is possible. It's good. Good words here uh, from Katerina, Ukraine. I wish everyone to hold their mom, dad, sister, brother, wife, husband, child, be healthy. Don't argue with them. I love you, everyone. Yeah, really, um, when these things happen, I think a lot of us living away from the war hopefully stop and think that um, how lucky we are not to have to worry about this. The United States, and I was thinking about this, you know, the United States has bombed other countries. And it has not been popular in the U.S. with everyone. So my government doesn't always speak for me, right? I disagree with my government all the time. So that's one thing. And I think everyone here knows this, but the people are not the government. You can hate the government. You can hate Putin. I hate Putin. You can hate Putin. But that doesn't mean he speaks for all Russians, right? It's very complicated, but Michael Steiner, how are you, my friend? All right, so let's um, move in. Uh, the comments are, are so interesting, though. All right, Ken Flory from Togo. Uh, I'm wondering, why is it taking so long for Western countries to help Ukraine? Great question, right? Great question. Um, one thing we might say is it's complicated. It's complicated. Um, was it Germany? I know sent a lot. Uh, countries are sending supplies. I know that the U.S. government has been helping Ukraine for a long time. Is it enough? Well, doesn't look like it. Um, but yeah, I don't want to get too much into um, the politics because um, it does get complicated. I am just an English teacher. 
I don't want my opinion to be in here too much. But um, my opinion, I, I hope that Putin is insane, right? I don't mind saying that. He's either insane or he is just a horrible, awful, awful thing. I don't even want to say um, human being. All right. Nightbot is here. This I think this is a fake Nightbot, but welcome Nightbot from India. Watch out for that person. Uzbekistan is in the house. Uzbekistan, welcome. Uzbekistan. The uh, great country. Love it. Um, but yeah, can I? Yeah, I don't. I don't. Yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. I'll, I'll let people chat in the chat and I will get back to teaching. How about that? Thank you, Ken, though. Ken lives in the United States now. Welcome. The next one is, let me pull it up here, patriotism. Patriotism. Now, I used the United States in these pictures, but this can go for whatever country you live in. Patriotism. We do have the bald eagle. I saw someone mention the bald eagle here. Oh, my goodness. Wait, what? Judith, what? What is your opinion about the differences about this war and a war like the French Revolution in 1789? Uh, yeah, so we're going to get – I. It's, it's going to be very complicated there because you had the French king. So many people wanted to overthrow that government. I, I don't believe the Ukrainian people want to overthrow – uh, Zelensky. So, uh, I don't think I can make too many comparisons there. Patriotism. Let's look at this. The, the chat is so interesting, though. Thank you all for being here. So, patriotism is the love for your own country. And often we say this in a good way. It's, it's great to love your own country. You can be very proud to be from whatever country you are from. That is patriotism. I have a fair amount of patriotism for my country, the United States. I love my country. I don't think my country is perfect. Nationalism, be careful. Because it's almost like patriotism, love for your own country. But nationalism is when it gets dangerous. That is when you love your country so much that you want to hurt other countries. So I may say, and I don't believe this, but hey, everybody should act like the U.S. So we should take over Canada. So they can be free like us. Nationalism can get very scary. Nationalism can cause wars. When a lot of people think, hey, my country is the best. We need to invade other places so they can be just like us. Patriotism is good. The love for your own country. People who display strong nationalism probably wouldn't mind hurting other countries. So we have patriotism. It's good. I celebrate the 4th of July. I celebrate 
my country's independence. Be careful. Nationalism gets a little bad. Not so good. Enlist. I want to talk about these two together. Enlist. And then big word here. Draft and conscription. Conscription. Let's talk about enlist first. You might hear this in English when talking about war. And soldiers who enlist, they want to join. They sign up willingly. They volunteer. They say, I want to join the army. So here are a couple sentences. The soldiers enlisted in the army. They signed up willingly. They volunteered. So you can enlist. There are a lot of people that I know in the United States who enlist. They sign up and say, I want to be in the army or the Navy for my career. That's their career. Maybe they join for a couple years and their college is paid for. Their school is paid for. Now, the other one is when someone is drafted or they're conscripted. Conscripted is a bigger word. Drafted is when the country says you must join the army. You have no choice. You are in the army. You are drafted. So the last time the United States had a draft was in 1973. That is when the country said to young men, you need to join the army. Now, when a male, when a boy, when a man turns 18 in the United States, he must sign up for something called the selective service. Selective service. I don't have that written down anywhere. But that means that if we do have a war and we need people to fight, you will be drafted. So when I turned 18, I think I had to go to the post office and sign up for selective service. Now, I know in some countries like like Russia or Finland or Denmark, there is a draft. There is conscription. So it differs from country to country. But when a male turns 18, I think, they must join the military for a year or two. In Finland and in Denmark, I think it's one year. I think you you must join the army for one year. I think the same is true in Russia. I think you, if you have a medical problem, you don't have to. But So very difficult. Enlist, you volunteer for the army. Draft, if you're drafted in the army, you don't have a choice. You have to do it. Let's check the comments just to see. Yeah. Arroni. How are you, man? 
Yeah, now we are seeing real nationalism. Yeah, by Putin, that is for sure. Ah, Moldova is in the house. Ah, a lot of people are, are coming to Moldova from Ukraine. Right, and I did mention Transnistria. It's on the western, uh, sorry, eastern part of Moldova. And uh, hopefully um, that is not Putin's next target. Transnistria, I think I'm saying that wrong, has to join. Um, overthrow, okay. Overthrow is a new vocabulary word. Yeah, so if um, if a leader is overthrown, that means they were forced out. They had to leave their country. They were no longer in control of their country. So some people say that Putin's goal right now is to overthrow Zelensky, the president of Ukraine. Of course, I hope that never happens. More Putin hate. I can never read enough Putin hate. Yeah, definitely. I hate Putin. I never voted for him. Very sorry and sad for what happens now. Hello from the south coast of the White Sea. Hey, well, thank you for those comments. Yeah, it doesn't sound like... Putin was elected fairly. But, you know, now we're getting into Western press and it's, it's hard to believe everything you read. But thank you for those comments. I sure can. That's a great question. So recruiting, oh my gosh, and reservist. All right, great question. So um, recruited... And I will use this for the army. So the army often recruits young men and women to join the army. When Americans graduate high school, they might go to college, they might get a job, but the army might recruit them. And that is the army saying, hey, come join us. We have a lot of benefits. We have a lot of good things. We could pay for your school. You will get in shape. You will earn money. So colleges in the United States also recruit. If a student is very smart, scores well on tests, they might offer money. We call it a scholarship. Hey, come to our college. Come to our university. We think we can help you. And you can help us. So recruit. Now, a reservist. In the United States, we do have the Army Reserves, um, Air Force Reserves, I think. Reserve is when you're part of the Army, but you're not active. That's what we call it. You're not active military. You do not live on an Army base. You live at home. My principal at one time was in the Army Reserves. And I think for two weeks a year, they have to leave and train. And one weekend, one weekend a month, 
they have to leave and train. But if the government needed them, they would be called up. That's the phrasal verb we use. They would be required to join. Right now in my state, I think we have some reservists who are helping out in hospitals because we don't have enough nurses. That's a whole nother story, but it does um, have something to do with COVID. So um, you can use drafted in the passive, in the passive form. I thought that was a possessive form uh, or past tense. I don't know so much um, about the actual forms. Um, and this is why I always say like, you don't need to know what the tenses are. You just need to know how to use them. Lots and lots of listening. Raphael, good afternoon. So the passive form of draft I don't know. Yeah. The soldier was drafted into the army. The army drafted the soldier. Hopefully that helps. I don't think it does though. Great question, Fiaz. Great question. I hope I'm saying your name right too. All right. Back to the lesson. The next one, ammunition. This is uh, what we use, a fancy name for bullets. Ammunition is another name for bullets. Ammunition. Ammunition. War of attrition. Now, of course, I hope this does not happen in Ukraine. What a war of attrition is, is when two armies just keep fighting and fighting. There are a lot of losses on both sides, a lot of deaths, a lot of injuries, a lot of money being lost on both sides. And basically each side says, whoever can last the longest, a war of attrition. Just keep fighting and fighting. It doesn't matter how many bodies there are. If you know anything about history, World War I and even World War II, um, it's a war of attrition. World War I, if you know about the history of World War I, it's probably a better example. But soldiers dug in, dug in their foxholes and just waited, bombing. And just like whoever could last the longest wherever could last longer if there are only two armies now i put teeth on there teeth because a lot of times we will use the phrasal verb worn down worn down and i wanted to use the teeth because let's say you chew a lot of ice if you chewed on ice for years you would probably wear down your teeth. They would get smaller and smaller slowly. And when there is a war of attrition, that's what armies 
hope to do to the other side. They hope to wear them down. It usually takes a long time and there's a lot of times loss of life. Lots of money goes to fighting a war of attrition. I hope that helps. I knew that was going to be an advanced term, but I was hoping I could teach everybody at least one thing, and it's difficult, a war of attrition. We do use that in everyday life sometimes too. Just checking the comments. Looks like Mary had to leave. Hungry. Hungry is in the house. And I know uh, Hungary and Germany, I think yesterday, said uh, that the Russians could no longer bank with something called SWIFT. That's what we call it in English. And um, that's pretty, pretty devastating, unfortunately, for everyday Russians, right? Because this is not their war. But just another another um, thing that says, you know, Putin is hurting his own people too. And it doesn't seem like he cares, right? Uh, what's the difference between onslaught and attack? Uh, pretty much nothing. But when I hear onslaught, I think of a really bad attack. A really bad attack. Um, the army faced an onslaught of bullets. The army was attacked with bullets. So a little bit of a different usage there, but hope everyone's doing well. LF, hope you are doing well. Oh, yes. Oh, saying goodbye to a friend. Well, I know it's uh, late in Iran. I'm glad you're still here, Mary. This might be the, no, we've got two more. Atrocities, atrocities. I did not put an actual picture of what atrocities are, but almost in every single war, there are going to be atrocities. When we think of war, I think we think of soldiers fighting. That is bad enough. Atrocities are when things happen that are even worse than that. So I don't really want to get into what atrocities are, but think of the worst things that can happen. For example, how about this? I will use Stalin. Hopefully everyone in here can agree Stalin was a, a bad man. Well, he starved the Ukrainian people for years. That would be an atrocity. Starving a population when you are the leader of a country and you don't allow food to go in, that would be an atrocity. So really, really bad things. The worst of the worst. So when you hear atrocities in English, Think of really bad things. Really bad things. Wow. 2.27 a.m. We'll get some sleep. Yes. Thank you. Great lesson. But yes, heavy topic. Heavy topic. Thank you so much. 
Thank you so much. Um, LF, what's the difference between border and frontier? So in English, in the United States, the border would be the edge of a country. The edge of a country. So the United States borders Canada, right? Like right at the edge where the United States and Canada meet, that's the border. Now frontier, I think of way away from the city, not near the city, not a lot of people live there. And it's usually near the border. So uh, like in the United States, Detroit and Toronto, those are big cities. They're at the border of the United States. I wouldn't call that the frontier. So think of frontier way away from the city. Not a lot of people live there. I hope that helps. I hope that helps. Atrocities. Not a good one. I believe this is the last one of this uh, very difficult lesson. Not fun to talk about, but sometimes when uh, you're teaching or learning English, you have to learn about the bad things. Actually, before we, I forgot something. I want to mention um, this. So we talked about the earthquake in Indonesia. Awful. You know, the one thing, I mean, the earthquake in Indonesia is awful. I hope everybody is okay. I know there have been some deaths. That We can't prevent that. No person caused that. What's happening in Ukraine can be stopped by one man, Putin. And that's what makes this so much worse. Earthquakes are bad. They're horrible. But wars that don't need to be fought are even worse. One person can stop this. And I know he's not watching. I know he's not watching. And I know we're all here on the same side, but geez, felt like I had to say that. Okay, so, but the other thing I wanted to mention with ammunition is what Zelensky said. And um, you can see a picture of our president. His name is Joe Biden. And uh, Zelensky is the president of Ukraine, President Zelensky. President Biden said, we can get you out of Ukraine. Now, I don't know how they would do that. It would probably involve some special forces. Special forces are small, highly trained parts of the military. But Zelensky told Biden, he used ammunition there to... I need ammunition. I need bullets, not a ride. Going back to ammunition. He says, I need ammunition, not a ride. So he is staying willing to fight for his country. The last one is civilian casualties. Civilian casualties. I wanted to teach... Two words with one term. Civilian. This means a person 
who is not in the military. So somebody who is not in the military. Civilians are the opposite of soldiers. Okay. Civilians are not soldiers. They are the opposites. Casualties. In English, when somebody, or I should say when an army experiences casualties, it's two things. It's injuries and it's also deaths. So injuries and deaths are added together and those are casualties. So anytime a person who's not in the military is hurt or killed because of war, we would call that a civilian casualty. So they could be hurt, maybe badly, maybe a minor injury or killed. That is a casualty. And you will often hear that with numbers. Today, there were 17 casualties. Five were civilian casualties. I'm just making numbers up there. I hope that helps. Civilian casualties. Civilian casualties. Oh, geez. It's really hot where you're at. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't be silent about this. Thank you, though, Yerslaw. Um, that's one of the things that, I mean, there are no politics here, um, but I just think it's so wrong that I have no problems voicing my opinion about the Ukrainian people. And if you don't like it, you know, unsubscribe, find another English teacher. But I think most people around the world agree. This is just so unnecessary. I know my thoughts are with the Ukrainian people. My heart goes out to the Ukrainian people and anybody who's being affected. You know, people in Poland, they are going to be affected. A lot of refugees come pouring in to the country and it takes money. So I know the Polish people have been very supportive of the Ukrainians, the Romanians, the Moldovans. So my heart goes out to anyone who is actually affected by this war. It's not just Ukraine and Russia. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's going to be a lot of people affected. <clears throat> Excuse me. I need to take a... Um... Mm. Well, you know what? There could be a typo there. It would not surprise me. Did I, did I miss an, an I or something? Um, I am not the world's best speller. But if you think there is a typo there, chances are you are right. An English teacher who can't spell. I don't know. I don't know if there is a uh, typo there or not, though. But could be. Well, yeah. Not to, uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's tough. The West, unfortunately, uh, yeah, I don't want to get too much into this, but the West has to tiptoe. They have to handle this situation delicately, lightly. Now, if there is any fighting in Poland or Estonia 
It's a no-brainer. You don't have to think about it. The West will come in. They will come in hard. Estonia, Poland, part of NATO. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's not get to I'm just going to stay here and try to teach English. And the only um, opinion I will, I will voice is much love to Ukraine, much hatred towards Putin. How about keep that? All right. I want to thank you all for being so civil in the chat. But I think we can all be on the same side here, right? This is not, you know, there are not really two sides to this war. There's, I think most people in the world feel the same way. So I hope this lesson has helped. I know that uh, there is a lot of talk about war in the world right now. I wish I didn't have to do this lesson, but I figured doing this lesson might help somebody out when they're trying to learn English. So, of course, uh, much love to all of the Ukrainians out there. Wish uh, I could support you more in some way. All right. Thanks for joining me. I will see you later in the week on a much happier topic. Adios. Hello, and welcome back to another English lesson. In today's lesson, we are going to tackle some of those tricky English phrasal verbs, but we're going to do it while walking around a town in Arizona, not too far from the Grand Canyon. So it is early in the morning, and my voice isn't quite ready, and there's a huge bird over here, big crow. Can you see him up there? He was squawking, oh, there he goes. He was squawking just a minute ago. <clears throat> yeah, so let's talk about some English phrasal verbs. My son and I stayed at this hotel last night, the Holiday Inn, in the Holiday Inn Express and Suites. I'm an early riser. I like to wake up early in the morning. My son doesn't so much. So I've been up for a couple hours. He was just starting to wake up. I went down into the lobby and had breakfast. It was a good breakfast. Um, they had everything you needed and the staff there were super helpful. They would get you coffee if you wanted it. I wanted to get my own, but they were super nice. But I told my son, I'm gonna clear out of the room. That might be a new English phrasal verb, clear out. You can use this when you're leaving a place and you think somebody has to do something. So my son, he's going to be getting ready because in just a little while, we're gonna be visiting the Grand Canyon. So I wanted to get out of his way. Hotel rooms are small, and when you're trying to take a shower, get ready in the morning, you might want a little room, which is why I told him I was going to clear out. Uh, maybe if you went to a party and people are wanting to go to sleep, whoever hosted that party, you might say, hey, we're gonna clear out now. 
just give them a chance to to go to bed if they want to <clears throat> excuse me i'm still having a it's been about a week uh since i've had covid but in the morning my voice is still a little uh raw i talked about raw in um the lesson i did out in the blizzard if you haven't seen that one yet but if you're ever going to visit the grand canyon let's take a look at some things to do around the grand canyon across the street is another hotel around here there are a lot of hotels <clears throat> not too many restaurants and the restaurants that are here are expensive unless you want to go see or excuse me unless you want to go eat at mcdonald's <clears throat> let's talk about uh closed down closed down that's another English phrasal verb you might use around here because everything closes down early. <clears throat> I was surprised. <clears throat> Do you know what I'm doing there? <clears throat> I'm clearing my throat. That's what we say in English. I'm clearing my throat. But everything closed down at like 8 o'clock and uh, some of the people that I'm staying with, they didn't eat dinner at that point and it was hard to find any place to eat because everything was closed down and it seems like everything opens late because it's already 8:18. i do know this gas station is open because i walked here last night i need some caffeine I and I don't usually drink coffee, so I think I might get a monster. And I know some people in the comments have told me, hey, that stuff is killing you. You might be right, but it is gonna help me wake up this morning. Here's a, here's a restaurant, let's go up this way. Here's a restaurant some people ate at last night, and it's a Mexican restaurant, and they said it was pretty good. It's called Plaza Bonita restaurant. Oh, here's an airplane. Can you imagine flying in an airplane over the Grand Canyon? It's just a little airplane, but I bet that's what's going on, maybe. Maybe. You can, I know you can skydive into the Grand Canyon. Skydiving when you're in a plane and you jump out with a parachute that's skydiving now i will do an english lesson in the blizzard i will jump from a bridge i will do an english lesson on a roller coaster i don't know if i would skydive into the grand canyon but it would be interesting okay it says it's open but i don't think they are You know what? I think they are because it says breakfast here. So they probably are open. Not too many cars in the parking lot though. Let's see. Oh yeah, they're open. They're open at 7.30, but you can't bring your guns in here. You will notice 
<clears throat> excuse me, clearing my throat. I need that caffeine. I need to wake up a little more. Uh, I need to talk about the altitude too. But you'll notice there's a lot of Spanish writing here. There's also a lot of Spanish spoken because we aren't that far away from the Mexican border. It's a few hours to drive there, but there are some people who uh, leave Mexico and come to the United States. And of course, they also speak Spanish and English. <clears throat> We're not gonna eat here. I already ate at the, uh, at the hotel, but we can take a look in here. Well, I was just looking to see if you were open and... We are open. Oh, great. I'm doing a, just a little video in case anybody wants to visit from uh, uh, the Grand Canyon. So, yeah. So if you want to come here, they are serving breakfast and it looks, uh, looks pretty cool here. Breakfast every morning. I don't think they like the camera, so we're not going to stay too long. But if you want to visit the Grand Canyon and come eat here at the Plaza Bonita restaurant, looks good. Looks like they uh, had some real Mexican food there. <clears throat> and like I said, the people last night said it was uh, really good. All right, let me talk about the altitude. If you've seen the Grand Canyon video, I mentioned we are above 2,000 meters. So uh, it gets a little hard to breathe if you're walking any kind of distance. Oh, here we have a very nice American restaurant. Maybe you've heard of it. It is called Wendy's. And they might be open for breakfast too, but if I had my choice, I would go to Plaza Bonita restaurant. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We ate at another place up here. <clears throat> it is a bit of a far walk. I'm not sure if we will get up there, but um, it was a place that made pizza and pasta. And I believe the name of the restaurant was We Make Pizza and Pasta. And it was pretty good, but it was pretty expensive. Can always have McDonald's, that's down there. We wanted last night to eat at the Big E Steakhouse, but it was closed. Uh, you see that right there, discontinued for the season? A lot of people will visit the Grand Canyon in the spring, summer, fall, winter. I'm visiting in the winter. Can you tell? It is cold here. I don't know how cold. Hey Siri, what's the temperature out? It's 27 degrees outside. Okay. So 27 degrees out. I don't know what that is in uh, centimeter, centimeter Celsius. I'll put it up on the screen though. So discontinued for the season. Probably means in the winter, oh yeah, you won't, you won't be able to do it. And if you look at this, 
summer only. So it's discontinued. The bus will not come pick you up. And this steakhouse is not open. Oh, look at all the different. So that looks right there. That looks like Spanish. That is definitely Italian. And that looks like German. Is that, oh, that's French. Oh gosh. Okay, Japanese? Chinese, maybe? Different kinds of Chinese? I don't think any of that is Korean. If it is, I apologize. Japanese? Chinese. <clears throat> but you will only mostly find English and Spanish spoken here. The Big E Steakhouse and Saloon looks pretty cool, but like I said, close in the winter. But it's weird, we call these things propane heaters because that's a propane tank filled with propane gas. So if they weren't open in the winter, I don't think they would have these out. Yeah, and it said open daily from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. But they weren't open last night. We wanted to eat here. We had to have uh, pizza and pasta instead. And guess what? It was really expensive. This is a tourist town. And that's a town where tourists go. You probably knew that. But they do usually charge a little more because um, they just, there's no place else to go. Actually, we are coming to the end of the town. It's just right up here. There isn't a lot to do, so they can charge a little bit more. And I also think it's expensive to get goods here, the food to make. So you have to pay the gas for the trucks to get here. But here's a gas station. <clears throat> Excuse me, have to keep clearing my throat. And the gas here is way more expensive than where I live. Do you hear what I said there? I said, than where I live. It should have been than where I live. But a lot of Americans will just say then for then. It's, a, it's an easier sound to make and we're a little lazy. Yeah, for the cheapest gas, $4.59 per gallon. The most expensive gas is over $5 a gallon. Just a couple years ago, it was about $2 a gallon. And that's what we do. We measure gas by the gallon here. I think most of the world measures it in liters, but you know, Americans, we have to be different. It looks like you can take some tours. Ooh. Oh, let's check out these things. I think we might call these Hummers in English. And it looks like you can take a tour. Last night, a small group of us went to the Grand Canyon and we saw a lot of elk 
in the woods. And when I go to the Grand Canyon today for the English lesson, I hope I will be able to show you some elk. Right now, all I hear are birds. But look at these hummers. So it looks like you can take a tour into the Grand Canyon on a Hummer. But I wonder if they're only open in the summer. It says, please take a brochure. This is a brochure. I will take a brochure. Oh, there's a chocolate factory here. Uh, you know, I think I was supposed to be talking about English phrasal verbs and I have forgotten to do that. I've just been looking at all the other things around here. I would like to try that chocolate shop. Those are horses, but we also might call them stallions. It's another name for uh, a horse. That stuff right there is called bunting. Bunting. Huh. Yeah, this looks like an old saloon. That might be an old term for a bar. <clears throat> in the Wild West, many years ago, over a hundred years ago, in the western part of the United States, they might have had something called a saloon where the cowboys would go get their drinks. This is just a, a steakhouse. Oh, let's get our let's get our picture here. close I think that's something we call a covered wagon it's cold around here there's ice can I hop up over this <clears throat> that's a phrasal verb hop up I might be a little bit too old let's see here put the camera down We did it. Yeah, so here's a covered wagon. And we're actually getting uh, to the edge of town here where we ate last night. They have some coffee place here I've never heard of. Starbu Star Starbucks, Starbucks Coffee. 
coffee. Starbucks coffee. Very rare, I think. But they do have something called a Starbucks. Oh, they have a general store here. That's an older term too, a general store. Just means like they have a little bit of everything in there. And this is where we ate last night. We cook pizza and pasta. I mean, there's no doubt. That's the name of the place. We cook pizza, Grand Canyon. And because of COVID, they do have things called touch-free menus. You can download those on your phone. I bet you have that in your country, but in English, we call it a touch-free menu. It's the end of the town. That's the town right before the entrance to the Grand Canyon, which is right over there. All right, I'm gonna get my caffeine. Not sure if you learned so many English phrasal verbs, but I hope you learned a lot of English. Thanks for watching. See you next time.